Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Navidomska stepped away for a minute. He'll be back in just a second with some fish bites today. And uh, you don't hear him talk about it often, but he's going to talk about warm water species today on your fish bites. Yeah. And a fishing spot close to home. On, by the way, I want to make sure I don't forget this. Yes. Free fishing day. That's right. Saturday. We, we talked about it last week. We you did. should already know about it. <laughs> yep. Uh, we gave you a little bit of a warning yeah. on it, but hopefully you take advantage of the day. Not that it's so expensive to get a fishing license. I always, I always feel like when we push free fishing day, it sort of gives the appearance that a fishing license is so expensive. No, it's not. Yeah. 24-7, 365. There you go. It's been that, <laughs> there been, you go. Been that kind Woo. of a morning already. close. All right. Um, Ariana Dufour is with us here. Yeah. Uh, remind us again, Russ, how you two connected. Ariana called, and I think she must have heard that we were renting Starlink. Or mm-hmm. when she was there to get a phone, we told her about it. That's the way usually it happens. And she was ha- handling a booth or helping with the uh, uh, Overlander Expo in Flagstaff, outside of Flagstaff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a big deal now. Yeah. We used to just... Yeah. We just used to get trucks and throw our stuff in the back and go camp. <laughs> but now you got to be an overlander. Yeah, it's a big uh, And buy a lot thing. of gear. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> Thank goodness. That's why they come up with these ideas know, is so they can I know, sell I stuff. I, I send a lot of phones with overlanders, and I'm happy to do it, and they're great people. And I follow a lot of them on YouTube. Yeah. Before we talk about the company you work for, Ari- Ariana, uh, explain to people. They may not know what an overlander is exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, when it comes to overlanding, there's a few different opinions floating around. Yeah. But really, I think that one of the easiest things to do is to say that overlanding is the hobby of vehicle-based camping or adventure vehicle-based yeah. camping when you just boil down to it. It's really just camping, but you're focused on um, probably having a vehicle and potentially modifying and building out your vehicle to access some of those areas that may be a little more difficult to get to versus managed campgrounds. And sometimes for extended periods of time, uh, something a little more than just a weekend adventure. Some people like to try to go out there for a month or more if they're able to swing it, you know? Right. It's That's a good way to explain it. I, I think every overlander is a gearhead. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're very conscious of all the equipment and everything, at least everyone I've seen. Um, and uh, they're very conservation minded. Yeah. And 
they they travel roads now that that well I've been on most of them around here so mm-hmm. they're getting into the back country way in deep yeah, yeah. and so they've got to be be self-dependent you know we have great friends uh jason sims who used to be i've I've mentioned it before he's been on the show a couple of times but uh, used to be the uh photographer for doug miller and the television show but he and his wife jane uh, he has a jeep and i guess i can now call them overlanders because a lot of the photos that he posts and he's a fantastic photographer are of his jeep with this tent set up ariana that fits on top of the roof (laughs) right Uh, and yeah. they can literally camp anywhere they can park. Well, I got the thumbs yeah. down on that when I suggested Did that you? to Chris. Yeah, no, no, we're not sleeping on the top. <laughs> that's like rolling out of the yeah. top bunk bed, and exactly. uh, that's there a we... long way down. But I guess that's what we're talking about here, Ariana. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's very fair to say that uh, overlanders tend to be gearheads mm-hmm. and and conservation minded, and all of those things that you guys kind of brought up and. Uh, and yes, I think the hallmark of of an overlander uh, is the quote unquote rooftop tent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it, I I do happen to have one. I've slept <laughs> in one many a night. And and you know what? To be honest, it's something that it it can make the camping experience um, much more comfortable for sure. Many of them have memory foam mattresses and all those yeah. you know bits and bobs about them. But uh, for those of you who may need to make multiple bathroom trips during the night, it may not be the most uh, the, the best experience for you, right? Yeah, so that's a negative. One of the positives are there aren't many critters that'll bother you up on top of your jeep. Yeah, yeah. When I'm out in the desert or anywhere, I don't really need to worry about the snakes, the bugs, the everything else that likes to share the ground with me. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty nice. Tell us about the company you work for. Absolutely. So I work for a company called Trails Off-Road, and uh, we've been around for a while now. I believe that our first version of our product, which was a website to start with, uh, started in 2015. And then just a couple of years ago now, we released our mobile apps for iOS and Android. But uh, at our core, what we do is we create digital off-roading trail guides. So Uh, really anything from mild to wild. We have a team that goes out and takes their own vehicles out on the trails and maps them by, you know, creating a GPX track at its core, but uh, also takes full photo and video and does extremely detailed Mm -hmm. write-ups about the experience of the trail and what you will find and what you will encounter in terms of obstacles, campsites, points of interest, all those details while you're on the trail. And then we host all of those on our website and in our app uh, via our own map. And we share that with our our members and in hopes of really facilitating outdoor adventure and relieving some of the anxiety of kind of, you know, going out into the unknown. Uh, And hopefully people can just have a great time outdoors. What's that website? Trailsoffroad.com. Keep it nice and simple. Yeah, Trails... I'm just trying to get on there off road dot com. How how did you how did you get into this? Were you always an outdoor person? <laughs> uh yes and no, I would say. So I originally I am from Colorado. That's where I grew up on the southeastern plains. Kind That'll of do it to Kansas. you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so, you know, I grew up on the on the prairie, but still um had parents who who, you know, had outdoor interests and so I, I grew up 
in that realm, although I didn't grow up in the off-roading and the vehicle modification space, you know, we just went camping like, right. you know, quote unquote, normal people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, uh, as I, as I became older and, you know, got through school and into adulthood, I was looking for opportunities to be in the outdoors more and kind of figure out how I wanted to be in the outdoors, which ended up with me, um, you know, having a vehicle that was four by four capable, starting to meet people who were knowledgeable about off-roading and overlanding and really kind of growing in that community, which is a fantastic community. And uh, I was in Colorado, which Trails Off-Road is a Colorado-based company. And via social media, actually, I got uh, in touch with the company and I uh, have a have a history of working in marketing and graphic design. My position with Trails Off Road is the director of marketing, and it's you know it's been great. And then I moved to Utah about mm. a little over two years mm. ago, and now I really love it here. And now that vehicle is tax deductible. I love that. <laughs> yeah, darn of a write off. Darn the luck. All right, so I jumped onto the website, and you click on Find a Trail, and it gives you this uh, map of the U.S. This is cool. Uh, and, yeah. And then as you zoom in, and I'm just looking yeah. at Utah, there are numbers here, 35, 48, 7. So I'll click on the 7 just to see, and then it expands even further, and then it'll list all of these uh, trails. Skyline Drive is there, uh, a length of almost 75 miles, Logger's Fork, Miller's Flat, uh, Cottonwood Canyon. This is a crazy resource. Is it is it fair <laughs> to say that this has more graphics than the other the other mapping systems? Um, yeah. So I, you know, there are certainly multiple options on the market oh, yeah. when it comes to uh, navigation in general, and certainly navigation in terms right. of you know something other than just google maps and what have you so what we like to say is that yes it's easy to say that we're a navigation company but we are highly focused on the content side right. yeah. we are really focused on yes telling you where a, a road or a trail is that you can go drive on but more importantly we're really focused on the content behind that mm-hmm. and telling you what you are going to experience while you are on that trail which is what sets us apart uh, from the other products that are currently out there. This would be uh, something that would be awesome to have on a regular basis and maybe just feature a a trail of the week or something uh, where we could check in that uh, Trails Off-Road could take us to. I notice as you zoom into these two, and we're almost out of time, unfortunately, but as we zoom into these two, uh, there are photos uh, so you can get an idea of what you're going to be looking at when you're on this trail. The kind no of, surprises. The kind of yeah. topography and stuff. Uh, and you enter a paywall at that point that looks pretty inexpensive. Yeah. What is it, 80 cents a week or something, it says? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we, we are uh, membership-based, and that's going to be an annual membership of thirty nine ninety nine a year. Ooh. And that gets you access to everything. Whoa. Might break the bank yeah. with that one. You know, I, I'm a multi, <laughs> I, I have multi-map systems I use. And I don't depend on one in particular, and they all have to work off the off the grid. And this is this is going to be one of my new ones. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is a map lover, that's for sure. I'm sure you've had that conversation. It's uh, <laughs> yes. trailsoffroad.com. Ariana, we'd love to connect again and uh, look for an opportunity where we could actually utilize uh, some of what you know about getting out there and enjoying the backcountry. 
Absolutely. Let's get out there. All, All right. right. Thanks a lot, Ariana. Thank you, guys. Going to take a break here. When we come back, Fish Bites, Navidomskis is back on with us. We'll, so we'll do that. And then after the top of the hour, talking moose safety with the Division of Wildlife Resources. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Fish fry. Hey, just need to remind everybody today, as this airs, Saturday the 10th of June is free fishing day, so you don't uh, even need a license to enjoy a day of fishing today. You do still have to uh, mind all of the rules and regulations. But And remember, we warned you about this last week. Yes, we did. So you should have everything packed and bought and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, be a great day to get out and enjoy it with uh, young ones or old ones, anybody that's out there that hasn't been fishing in a while, because it'll get back in your blood and really get you uh, uh, jonesing to get out and do some more. Where are we going to do that fishing today, Navidowskis? Well, I'm going to take uh, our listeners to a place that is underfished in my mind, and that is Willard Bay. Hmm. <clears throat> it's full. So we're it's full. Talk Willard Bay, and... and Look, I know we live in trout country, and most of the circles I fish in, they're all trout-hungry. But I think they should try fishing for warm-water fish because they're a blast. They're absolutely a blast, and this is the window. I mean, you know, people say this is a tweener time of year. No, it's actually a great time of year every single day for something, and Willard Bay is red hot right now. So um, it's a spring fishery in my mind. That's when I fish it, and mostly I fish it in May. But this isn't too late for free fishing day, which is today. And what I'm saying is May is the best month in my mind for Willard Bay, but really the way the seasons have been going, it's still May at Willard. So that's really good for the, the species that are in the lake. And, and wiper is what I consider the biggest target, even though most people who go there go there for the walleye which is also amazing. And then the crappie are also good. And, by the way, they're all right on top fire right now. So um, the fish are going to go to deeper water. Even though Willard Bay doesn't get – it's not really that deep of a lake for them to hide in, but they get way out away from the shore, but not right now. They're along the shore. If you fish along the dike, if you're a, a bank fisherman, you're going to be doing just fine. Um, also, the crappie – um, hang out in those rocks, as do the walleye. Now, when to fish them, you know, late is better. In my mind, warm water fish really like dusk. It's the best time. But you can literally catch them all day. And people say, how do I do it? It seems really hard. It's not hard fishing, okay? Any angler who's had any experience on the water can convert to this kind of fishing. And, by the way, the fish fight hard. Those wipers are about seven pounds. But what's key is they're flat. So they're, it's like trying to bring in a plate. Um, a buddy was there last week, and he wasn't paying attention, and a wiper hit his rod and yanked it right off the <laughs> handle and out. Of, it's gone. It went. He wasn't paying attention because of how strong these fish are. Uh. So 
if they're a whole lot of fun. So how do I catch them? Well, you need to understand their most important forage is shad. And it's similar to Lake Powell, okay? A wiper is a cross between a striper and a white bass. And, you know, I don't know a lot about this hybrid specifically because we kind of invented it. But I can tell you that they really behave like a wiper. I mean, like a, a striper. So I throw shad for them. When I'm at Lake Powell, I have these patterns that I throw that are shad-related. They work great at Willard Bay. And the colors are would be, I would say, pearl, but white and silver for sure. And sometimes they have a little bit of an olive hue along their top. And some of the shad are notorious for having what I call a freckle, but it's really a, a black dot just behind the gill plate. So sometimes I take a magic marker and I put that dot on my patterns. But I throw patterns that are mostly white and silver, okay? And um, you can get them along the bottom. You can get them in suspended water. I mean, my, my experience at Willard Bay, it's only 15 feet deep. So it doesn't really matter. The fish can see it if it's on the bottom or it's on the top. So depth isn't a real key. What you have to understand, though, you know, like I say, I'm a fly fisherman. So to me, how, how they hit it and how soft I hit it and how I set it matters. Okay, so um, there's not really a hit. Trout come up and just slam it or bite it. Um, they mostly bite it like your um, largemouth slam it. But wipers inhale it like bucket mouth, um, largemouth bass. So when, when a, a trout bites your, your fly, there's a hesitation, but you feel the bump. You don't feel the bump on these guys because what they do is they inhale all the water surrounding the shad. So they basically take it in like the fish has just swum into their mouth. So what that feels like is it feels like a, a kind of a, a drag. It's kind of like all of a sudden your, your line is kind of just heavy. It's got a heavy feeling. And there you got to set it. And you got to set it without moving the rod because if you move the rod, you'll pull it out of the mouth. And what you want to do is you want to set it there, and hopefully you get to hook it to, well, it's really deep in their mouth but in the side of the jaw. Because uh, more often than not, it's just going to go in and out, and you're never going to recognize it or be able to hook them. But once you hook these guys, they are a blast. And if you're on a tube like I am, they're going to pull you around the lake. I mean, you <laughs> can have a 45-minute fight for like an 8-pound wiper. Wow, that does sound like a lot of fun. Quick question, because we're yeah. out of time here. Do you change the colors up a little bit uh, at well, other times of the year, or is it always the same? It's always the same in my mind. Um, I would add black jigs if i were fishing for crappie um but really chartreuse pearl and white and silver those are your colors um and then again if you're fishing for crappie you can fuse into that a little black here's the other thing you need to know right now um it is at full pool for the first time in seven years i think they said full pool and because there's so much uh runoff from the snowpack that water's still cold and here we are headed for mid-june right and that's the key Fish them slow, but it means it's going to be good for another three weeks. There's a sunk houseboat out there. If you can find that, you're going to catch a lot of fish. Ooh, there's a nice little tip. All right, uh, that's your fish bites for the week. Stand by. Coming up after the news at the top of the hour, I love this title. He's a -a once-in-a-lifetime coordinator, Rusty Robinson from the division. We're talking moose safety next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. 
But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.